The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Palace of Wayward Dreams, Episode 2. November 1912. I trust you won't mind an Irish breakfast, said O'Malley as he set down two cups on the table. The saucers juddered slightly, and concentric circles rippled on the surface of the aromatic coffee. Elizabeth closed her magazine and frowned. What makes it Irish? Before she could finish the sentence, O'Malley pulled back his tweed jacket, revealing a leather holster. But instead of a weapon, he drew a prim green bottle. He uncorked it and poured generously into his own cup. Then he gave Elizabeth's coffee a splash as well. Not exactly Earl Grey, is it? said Elizabeth. She sipped, and the whiskey singed her throat. I take my sabbaticals seriously, said O'Malley. And in future, I hope you'll toast me before sippin'. Oh, right. They clinked cups and drank. Elizabeth peered over the porcelain rim to admire the scenery. Beyond the dining car windows sped the dark English countryside, the subtle roll of the horizon, the mossy green of its scrub, and the sheets of mist that swallowed distant cottages. Stately stone walls crisscrossed the land, and herds of sheep crept across mown meadows. As the train trundled down the track, and the dining car creaked and vibrated, Elizabeth felt ever more elated. She had always loved trains. Growing up in Pittsburgh, she had always risen to a whistle blowing in the nearby hollow. She loved climbing aboard the Pittsburgh trolley, loved its crush of passengers, the flashes of buildings between the metal bars, the stop-go movement at every intersection. Now she was in England, and everything was fresh and new. She marveled at the bow-tied waiters who darted about the dining car with platters of fried eggs and sausage. O'Malley unveiled his pipe and drew on it contemplatively. The professor was lost in thought. The silence was elastic, as it often was. Finally, Elizabeth was compelled to break that silence. So, tell me about this Sir Shanley. O'Malley's head snapped toward her. A gust of smoke burst from his nostrils. Come again? Sir Shanley, the man we're meeting in Nesterton. Aye. O'Malley furrowed his brow. How? Well, obviously, said Elizabeth, rolling her eyes. I looked through your letters. Which is really your own fault, because you left the flap of your satchel open at least a dozen times. In my book, that's a formal invitation. You read my correspondence? Yes, but don't worry. His handwriting is atrocious. I could barely read a word, and I clearly only had his letters to you. Elizabeth, said O'Malley, glowering. If we are to work together, I will need your trust. This is, well, it's an invasion of privacy. Oh, don't be so dramatic, scoffed Elizabeth turning sideways in the booth and bending her knee in order to retie her boot. And anyway, we've crossed an entire ocean together, and you haven't offered so much as a peep about this secret society. Shh! hushed O'Malley, waving downward. 
He leaned forward, scanning the car for eavesdroppers. Professor, said Elizabeth dryly, are you really concerned? Who here could possibly care? Elizabeth, and, she went on, I'll remind you that half the phrase secret society is society. I'm not feeling like much of a member. O'Malley sank into his seat and leaned in close. Elizabeth, I understand you're young, but you mustn't be so flip. We are here on serious business. Oh, are we? retorted Elizabeth. Then maybe I should know something about it. O'Malley bit his upper lip. Smoke continued to swirl out of his idle pipe. I know the journey's been long, but I promise all will be revealed when we arrive in Nesterton. Elizabeth leaned back and spread her arms across the bench like a victorious card sharp. You're confused, she said. I adore long journeys. We could take a steamer to Siam for all I care, but at the end of fifteen days, I get to wondering why. In... O'Malley flipped open his pocket watch. In an hour and a half, you'll learn everything you yearn to know. Until then, you might shush about the Ecret Say Osiety Say. Elizabeth smiled gaily. Tell me your secret code is actually Pig Latin. O'Malley cracked a smile as he pocketed his watch. Wouldn't you like to know? They both smiled and drained the last of their cups. Passengers trickled out of the train and onto the station platform. Elizabeth took a breath of damp air as she lugged her bags across the concrete. Nearby, the locomotive hissed jets of steam. The engine's noise overlapped with the voices of reuniting families. Travelers embraced their loved ones, shook hands with friends, lifted children into their arms. Elizabeth weaved between bunches of people, passed the station house and its uniformed attendants, and found herself on a quiet avenue. O'Malley scrambled to catch up. He moved awkwardly, thanks to two enormous suitcases that dangled from his arms. At first, Elizabeth had been tickled to know that she packed lighter than her professor. Women were always getting mocked for bulky luggage. But when she'd learned that most of O'Malley's belongings were books, she'd felt a pang of envy. I assume you know the way, said Elizabeth. I do, replied O'Malley. Towns like Nesterton don't change much. Ranks of brick houses stood at attention. The narrow roofs sloped into each other, endless chevrons of slate. Dense floral curtains clogged the rectangular windows, and cold weather had colored the low hedges a dull brown. To anyone else, the town would have seemed gray and desolate, but Elizabeth adored the red doorways, the crenellations and ornate barge boards, the efflorescence that stained the chimneys white, the occasional jetties that loomed over the narrow streets. Each home fit snugly against its neighbors, as quaint and refined as dollhouses. Elizabeth was skinny, but she enjoyed the chill as well. Even the brooding overcast agreed with her. She had never minded the long Pittsburgh winter with its hazy darkness and sheets of freezing rain. 
England seemed to share its cheerless climate. They crossed a plaza ringed with shops. The square was empty, except for a lone delivery man loading his wagon with crates. The hotel's still there, O'Malley noted to himself. Are we staying there? Elizabeth asked. Not if we can help it. Dreadful lodging. But it all depends. Depends on what? On whether anyone's at home. Bells rang from nearby steeples. Elizabeth had no watch, and when she counted ten clangs of the bell, she marveled at how early it still was. She felt drowsy, but excited, and she was too lost in thought to realize she was walking alone. Elizabeth! O'Malley called. She turned around. O'Malley was standing on the curb, nearly a block behind her. Elizabeth grimaced. She set her bags on the ground and rubbed her aching forearms. O'Malley pointed to a house. It's this one, he called. Elizabeth backtracked to her professor. Like the others, this house was tucked into a row of facades. If O'Malley hadn't pointed it out, Elizabeth wouldn't have given the building a second glance. But now that she was looking at it, the house overwhelmed her with stately grandeur. Set back from the street, the domicile was more like a small mansion with manicured bushes and mullioned windows. The doorway was a masterpiece of wood and glass, and the lead framework was shaped into swirls and curlicues. With the possible exception of a cathedral, those double doors were the most beautiful entrance Elizabeth had ever seen. They crossed the stone walkway, where fallen leaves were spread like rose petals. O'Malley gripped the brass knocker in his hand and tapped it lightly against its plate. After a long minute, the door opened. A trim woman stood before them, wiping her hands on her apron. Her wavy blonde hair flared out beneath her maid's bonnet. Elizabeth was startled to behold her. The girl wore a stodgy uniform, but she was disarmingly pretty. Her mouth was small and serious, and her eyes were skeptically narrow. Her cheeks were tensed, as if she were stifling a hiccup. O'Malley noticed her prettiness as well. He removed his hat, but he fumbled with his words. Good morning, er, miss. That is... We're here to see Mr. Shanley, interrupted Elizabeth. Sir Shanley, corrected O'Malley. Then he shook his head and added softly, We're here to see Teddy, miss. Is he in? I... The girl looked sideways. Her eyes drifted down and to the right, a defensive gesture. Something was amiss. Elizabeth stepped forward. Miss, my name is Elizabeth Crown, and this is Professor O'Malley. We're friends of Sir Shanley, and we're eager to speak with him. May we come in? The maid nodded wordlessly and ushered them inside. They followed her through the vestibule, and the maid herded them into a sitting room. The space was elegant. The bookshelves and furniture were all chestnut brown, a patchwork of wood and leather. But Elizabeth had seen sitting rooms before. Her eye was drawn to a table, which was piled with mail. The unopened envelopes formed an island of white. 
Elizabeth bent over the table. The addresses were all the same, written over and over in the same penmanship. The handwriting was O'Malley's. The return address was St. Luke's Medical Academy. Please, said the maid, just wait right here. The travelers set down their bags. They collapsed into opposite chairs, and Elizabeth removed her gloves. She felt the room's chill, and she blew into her cupped fingers. Then she gestured toward the mass of envelopes. I suppose this explains why he never wrote you back. I suppose it does, agreed O'Malley. He clucked his tongue thoughtfully. Did you really read all the letters? All the letters you were carrying, Elizabeth said, unfazed by his accusatory tone. But the last one came in August, about six weeks before we left New York, I believe, which means it's been two months since you last corresponded. Now that they were seated, Elizabeth felt road-weary, and she sank into the plush upholstery. She could feel the heaviness, the ache in her shoulders. She pictured herself drifting to sleep. But then she had a thought. She couldn't help herself. She twittered. Something funny? asked O'Malley. All this time together, said Elizabeth, and I still introduce you as Professor O'Malley. O'Malley smirked. I reckon there's not much need for Christian names in the classroom. So much the better, I suppose. It keeps things professional. And, she smirked, I wouldn't want to give your new sweetheart the wrong idea. Elizabeth jutted her chin toward the entrance, where the maid had just departed. O'Malley patted his knee with rhythmic impatience. My new sweetheart, he echoed. I should be so lucky. Another silence followed. Elizabeth was suddenly irritated. They had arrived. They were here at last, after so many days at sea. Together, they had weathered ports and gangplanks and two storms. They had shared a cabin, and for nearly two weeks. They had slept in opposite bunks, traded shifts in the lavatory, eaten meals together, and wandered the decks. They had drank coffee and tea together. They had watched sunrises and sunsets. And through it all, O'Malley had remained tight-lipped. Nothing could have surprised Elizabeth more. In the classroom, O'Malley was exuberant. His lectures were fast-paced and full of banter. So why was he so quiet on the road? He could sit in a chair for hours, saying nothing to anyone. He could pass an entire afternoon reclining in his bunk, one arm resting on his forehead as the other held open a book. There were other quirks as well. O'Malley often sneaked nips from his bottle, and Elizabeth could smell the whiskey on his breath. But he never acted drunk. The swigs were consistently spaced, like a health regimen. But this was out of character. I should be so lucky. Was he really attracted to a maid? A maid who had spoken only five timid words? It didn't match the man she'd observed. Then again, what kind of man was he? O'Malley had his bookish allure, but he wasn't a flirt. Or was he a flirt? 
Did he have a history of chasing after servant girls? Elizabeth couldn't imagine it. Had the weeks at sea made him randy? Was it the delirium of their journey? Or was he joking? Sure, the maid was lovely, if you didn't mind her outfit. Give the girl a flattering dress, and she'd be the belle of the ball. But surely O'Malley had higher standards. He was a professor. He was sharp and worldly. He must have better taste than that. The maid stepped into the room, interrupting Elizabeth's thoughts. Her hands were folded, her head lowered. Sir, miss, she said, speaking directly to the carpet. Lady Shanley will see you now. You've been listening to The Palace of Wayward Dreams, Episode 2, by Robert Eisenberg. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown are produced by Backpack Media, LLC. Original music by Naoya Sakamata. If you like what you're hearing, you may enjoy The Mysterious Tongue of Dr. Vermilion and other stories, the first book in the Elizabeth Crown series. For more information about the exciting field of unconology, visit elizabethcrown.net.